Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Well, let's talk, uh, let's talk, continue to talk about family. Let's pray first. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, you are, you are at work. And may our, may our hearts, would you soften our hearts? Would you soften our minds? And, and would you, would you, would you enliven them? Would you fill our hearts and our minds with life? That we would unmistakably know that we are following the living Lord. And we do know that. And Lord, we want to walk in your ways. We do not want to follow the desires and the leading of, of, of human thinking and of the flesh. But Lord, we want to follow the Spirit. And Lord, I thank you this morning, Lord Jesus, that you are a friend of the friendless. You are a friend of the needy. You are a friend of the hopeless who have mistakenly believed that there is no hope. And you are the friend, Lord, I thank you that you are the friend of those who are truly seeking. And I thank you for that reminder this morning that you, Lord Jesus, as a friend of sinners, that you knew and you know by the Spirit those who are truly seeking. And you become the greatest of friends with those. And so, Lord, I pray that you would direct us to those who are seeking. Lord, I pray you would direct us to those who don't know the answer. Those who are struggling with whatever it is they might be struggling, and they're looking for the answer. And they will find, ultimately, the answer in you, Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to be a friend to the the very people that you are and you were a friend to, to one another and to those outside of this body who need to be led to you and are truly seeking you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, bring that wave, we pray, that was prophesied over this church. In your way, Lord, in your time. And may we not stand in the way of what you want to do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we have uh, pre-marriage meetings with, with young couples that are, are, are going to get married, uh, pastors will often ask, so when did you meet? Tell us, about, tell us about when you first met. And sometimes the answer will be, oh, we met at school, we met at work, we, we met at some event. Uh, more and more uh, couples are saying we met online. And there was a time when, when we thought, oh, that doesn't sound like the right place to meet. But it's actually happening more and more. Uh, like at uh, www.thisisasafedatingwebsite.ca. 
which I checked and it actually doesn't exist. So if you're looking to buy that URL, I, it's, you can probably get it. But online meeting is, is, is becoming increasingly common. But I remember very well my, the earliest memory that I have of my fluttery feelings for Tarina. Uh, it was at college. It was in the dining hall at supper time. And there she was at the end of a long table with a group of her friends. She was very sociable. People loved her. They still do. And she was with all of her friends there at the end of the table talking and laughing and enjoying themselves. And then at the other end of the long table there, I was sitting alone with all of my friends, finishing up my dinner because I've always been a slow eater. This morning in our series of Family Matters, our focus is on friends and on friendship. Uh, friendship can breathe life. Friends are like fresh air, especially when the Spirit is breathing through them. And you might remember how you met some of your friends. Maybe you have a best friend and you remember very well how you first met. One of my best friends has more than once reminded me of, of his recollection of our first encounter, which I had forgotten until he reminded me. And then he keeps reminding me that we first met for a round of golf many years ago. And it seems that all he recalls about that round of golf is the claim, so he says, that on a couple of times when he missed a putt or he whiffed a chip, supposedly, I laughed. If it's true, I'm sure I was thinking about something else. It's a serious accusation, isn't it? But despite the accusation, and despite the fact that it was probably true, um, he has become one of my most trusted friends. What makes a good friend? What makes you a good friend? What makes me a good friend? What makes our good friends such that we would call them that? And you know, the word friend has changed in the last 15 years. Well, I understand that Facebook is about 15 years old now. And... The word friend already was being in use, you know, used in different ways, sometimes more loosely, sometimes more seriously. But social media has really loosened the definition of friend, hasn't it? And I experienced it this past week while I was, while I was playing chess and, and somebody sent me a friend request. And I, I felt guilty when I clicked the X because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But at the same time, I also didn't want to lead him along, you know, and... They can think, I don't even know where he lived, uh, that, that, that we were going to become best friends. Now, clearly, when we talk about friends this morning, we're not talking about Facebook friends. We're talking much, much more personally about friendship than that. It's important in our families because as I look across this room, we are at every stage of family in this room. And it's important that we're talking and knowing and caring about who our children's friends are. Would you say amen to that? Uh, parents, I, I just encourage you to know and to care about who your, your, your children's friends are. And to have some good guidelines for them, for all ages of school-age children, about internet, about phone use, that you have some good guidelines in place 
for their protection. And may I say, first of all, that it be for their spiritual protection. I believe that when we pray for people, we pray for protection, including when people travel places, that our first prayer ought to be for their spiritual protection, not their physical protection. Because there is an enemy who is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he would devour. And so their spiritual health is first and foremost to us. We want to pray for their emotional and mental protection as well. Because God cares about the whole being and the whole person. And we also want to be praying, of course, for their physical protection. And we send an important message that we love our children and we care about them by setting boundaries. And sometimes that's a struggle for parents because when you get the pushback, they go, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should just let them go. Well, no, we need to lovingly, carefully, wisely set boundaries. And we send an important message about how we value them by how we discuss our concerns with them when concerns arise. And that we're very careful, not just what we say to them, but how we say it. So that we're not flying off the handle when we're upset about something. But we are prayerfully stepping back and saying, Lord, please give me the wisdom about what to say and how to say it. Parents, please do not be afraid to talk to your adolescent, your teenager, your children about sexual purity and about sexuality. Bible teaches that God created male and female. Now we have some, we have a number, many leaders in our society who would say that there are five genders or more. And I really believe without animosity, but I really believe that God created us male and female. And that all of the other gender related decisions and choices are just that. Their choices and decisions made just as all of us are required to make choices and decisions in our lifelong endeavor to cope with life, to understand who we are, to value ourselves so that we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and to handle the challenges that we face. And we've all got those decisions and choices to make before us. And I believe from the word of God that God created us male and female, and then how we deal with and how we cope with the challenges and decisions in life are what have led to people identifying in different ways. And again, I say that with no animosity because the reality is that so many times decisions that people make are really indicative of or they are representative of the fact that they are struggling. We know somebody who, who made a gender change uh, in his 50s. And all I could see, or what I could see primarily, is that I could see somebody who was desperately, desperately hurting inside. And it's not for me to try to tell that person, no, you should have done this. I believe it's first my responsibility, as Jesus did, to care about and befriend him. And befriend that person. Would you say, would you believe that? Do you agree with me? Because then God can use our influence and more importantly use the influence of the Holy Spirit however he would choose to meet that person where that dark place is and that hurt and that pain is 
so that the Lord can restore and the Lord can transform. Those are the people that Jesus cared about and loved. And we will know quickly enough whether or not somebody really wants to seek God or not. This morning I'm going to touch on several scriptures that describe friends. I believe that when we become acquainted with the written word of God, when we become acquainted with the living word of God, who is Jesus, when we become acquainted and inhabited by the inspiring word, who is the Holy Spirit, who gives us the rhema word, God speaking to our spirits and our minds, when we become acquainted with God and his word, and we experience the love of God, because knowing as the Coopers know so well, knowing the word of God in our heads is not enough. But we let it transform us by getting to our hearts. Then we become acquainted with the greatest friend that we could ever have, and that is the friend who is Jesus Christ. Whatever your family makeup, whether it's you, whether it's two of you, whether it's three of you or more, This is another example this morning that the Bible is instructive, it is relevant, it is crucial, it is a foundational point of reference. It is God's word to us for us to know and to make known in our families that God has revealed what he has revealed in his word. And and today particularly about friends. Starting point is Matthew 11, 19. I've already referred to it. The Son of Man came eating and drinking And they say about him, here is a glutton and a drunkard. That's what Jesus called, that's what Jesus was called by the religious leaders. He's a glutton. I guess he liked food. And he's a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And I believe, at least in part, that is simply saying that Jesus' life and ministry showed an authority that was not resident in the other religious leaders of the day. And wisdom revealed that. Wisdom was proved right by the deeds. Just look at what Jesus did, who he was, what he said, the authority with which he spoke and he taught. And wisdom was proved right by deeds through Jesus. And so it can be true for us too. There's nobody in this room and nobody that you know that Jesus does not want to be a friend to. Would you agree? There's nobody that Jesus doesn't want to be a friend to. Jesus invites everyone and anyone to friendship with him. We do have to respond. No matter what we've done. No matter what's been done to us. No matter what people have said. Jesus demonstrated by befriending the unrighteous ones that he reaches out a hand of friendship to all people. Even to those who think they're good enough people and don't need help. And sometimes those are the most difficult nuts to crack, aren't they? And that's what our society is filled with. Filled with people who say, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I really don't need help. Thanks very much. But even to those... Jesus reaches out that hand of friendship because he knows that we all need a new nature. We need a second nature. We need from selfish nature to a second nature. We need from just our human nature to an added heavenly nature. 
we need from being led by the flesh nature to be being led by the Holy Spirit nature. And the war will go on between the, the two natures. But let's declare this morning that the new nature that is given to us by God is greater than the old and will see victory. And it is a nature of life and eternal life. And the example Jesus is setting is also for us to follow and to model and to help our children to follow, which is wisely and genuinely to be friends to people who don't know Jesus and to wisely and genuinely be friends one to another as the church so that together we will be and do what God has called us to. John 1 verses 40 to 42, I love this, describes how Andrew met Jesus. Andrew was a a fisher. And as soon as he met Jesus, he was a disciple of John at the time. In John chapter 1, he was a disciple of of John the Baptist. And immediately when he went Jesus, when he met Jesus, he went straight to his brother Peter and he said, Peter, he probably said Pete, but he said, Peter, you've got to meet Jesus. This is the one. I can just tell. This is Messiah. And I hope that you have said yes to Jesus' invitation to eternal friendship. Because this is a friendship that will last forever. And if you haven't, allow me to make like Andrew and invite you into a relationship with him. Our children and our parents and our neighbors and our co-workers and even our detractors and even people who, who would... Who would Make us to be make us out to be enemies. Need to know that Jesus is a friend. People need to know Jesus is their friend, not a Facebook friend, not just a drinking friend or a coffee shop friend. I mean, he's willing to meet us anywhere, but he gets a lot more personal than that because he's not just a friend; he's a king and a lord. He is a lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. He is a lion of Judah and a lion of power. And he is a just judge. Like the security camera at the front door who knows whether or not we came to scoop that package that was left on the front porch. <laughs> I mean, he knows us intimately and deeply. May we not reject Jesus' offer of deepening personal relationship because of any reason, and friendship because of any reason, be it fear, be it pride, be it busyness, be it whatever it is. Like the woman Jesus met at the well, Jesus told personal information about her to her that there's no way that he could have known except it had been revealed to him by the Spirit. And when he got that personal with her, she immediately realized that he was someone who could give her what nobody else could give her. And that even though he knew her dirty laundry without anything except revelation of the Spirit, he cared about her. And she knew immediately that he could offer her a hope, a spiritual hope in life and spiritual water to drink and food to eat. And then Jesus, as our big brother friend, makes this fair requirement of us. 
John chapter 15, verses 13 to 15. He said, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Will you receive this today? Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Isn't that awesome? This is the second person of the Trinity, the God, the God of creation, who says, I am making known to you what I have learned from my Father. And then as parents and grandparents and older siblings and as Christ-following children, as aunts and uncles and people of influence, the most important way that we can teach about friendship is by being a good friend and modeling it. Would you agree with me? And we can say all that we want, but words have much, much less power if they are not accompanied by action. What we say about other people in front of our children sticks. What we say when we're with our friends and what we say when we're with people who aren't followers of Jesus, who are watching us, it sticks. Great opportunity, that's what it all is. And so may we be honest but kind. When we are with our family members, especially when we're, we're with our children and our grandchildren, nieces and nephews, may we not gossip. May we not run people down. Because that will just become the same pattern for the next generation that they will continue to live out the misdeeds and the sins of their fathers. We want to break that, amen? We don't need that. And as children grow into adults, their relationships with adults will change. They ought to change to less and less being children and more and more being friends as they get older. You've maybe heard it said, the best vitamin for developing friends is... Uh, somebody heard it, yeah. Somebody knew it. Yeah, the best vitamin for developing friends is B1. Ha, 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 ha. All right. I believe that good friends will have good friends. Whereas good loners will only have a lot of acquaintances. And while that might be all that some people want, that I just it's just me and God, I got my own thing, I got my own my own spirituality, I got my own faith, I'm okay, thanks very much. They're missing out on what they need. I believe that. Because what we need is friendship with Jesus. We want to be good friends, to model friendship, teach friendship, to be influenced by people of godly character and to influence with godly character. Family matters and character matters and friendship matters. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I don't think people typically apply this to family settings, but let me, let me offer this to you. If you're a parent or a grandparent, this is true for you. It's true for me. 
that we will love at all times. We will love those who have been put into our sphere of care and influence. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A brother is one who will stick very closely in difficult times. Friends are faithful and constant. They're not perfect, but they are dependable. I praise the Lord for friends that I have who are like bedrock in my life. When you're in a time of trial, you will learn who your friends are, won't you? Uh, When our friends are in times of trial, they will learn who their friends are. And in times of trial, we can sometimes learn how many people we have actually pushed away if we start to pull back. In contrast, David wrote in Psalm 49, verse 41, verse 9, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. David experienced that in times of distress. Jesus experienced that at Gethsemane when all his disciples abandoned him. I know a man who did time for a a, a very bad crime that he was convicted of. But how telling it was as people withdrew from him, wanted nothing to do with him for fear of what others would think of them by associating with him. That's the kind of person that Jesus befriended. Because in that dark, difficult time, that's when Jesus comes along and puts his arm around and says, I really, really care about you. And I love you. And I am here to help restore you. And I will be your friend with you all the way through. There were those who did support him, but it wasn't that they were condoning what he had done and what he had admitted to have doing and what he had taken responsibility for, but they knew that he needed friendship. And I like the phrase that a true friend thinks you're a good egg, even though you're cracked. Isn't that great? (laughs) A true friend thinks you're a good egg even though they know you're cracked. And Jesus was like that with Peter after he denied him three times and Jesus restored him because he knew that God had planted in him, as was prayed earlier, those seeds that would grow for Peter would be seeds of of profound leadership. Job verse 14 from chapter 19 Job lamented, my relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. This is the dark side of it. There Job sat with friends and, and they were trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And really what he needed at that time was somebody just to sit with him and say, we're with you, brother. We care about you, brother. We will pray with you, brother. But we're, we're not going to just try to figure this thing out from our own minds. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to reveal what he wants to reveal. Friends are like a cool stream. Have you ever drunk water from a cool stream? Uh, I mean, there are definitely some dangers to it depending on on how low, low the stream is and how many creatures are living farther upstream. But when we lived in BC and, and we would go hiking and I'd go hiking with the students, with the youth, um, 
and, and we get up fairly high, we would drink water from the stream, and it was beautiful. And if we were bunged up, it was wonderful. Godly friends are a blessing to be around. People with pure hearts and speech, like the clean, pure, untainted, unenhanced, natural crispness of a mountain stream and that, that cold water that's from the, the winter runoff coming down through the stream. I can't emphasize enough that our closest friends be followers of Christ. Maybe that goes without saying, but that's something we need to lovingly continue to communicate to those that we have influence over. But may it be that they are not our only friends, because the longer that many of us are Christians, the more cloistered we can become. May that not be. Amen? Because that's not what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus did not become cloistered. Let me also say, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and unrighteousness have in common? In other words, at any age, when our hormones come in conflict with directions from God's word, we must not confuse emotion and hormonal emotion with God's will. Because far too many times people have felt something, and it's probably been hormones, and they've said, well, God, God's directed me to leave my spouse and to go with somebody else. And, and I would suggest that as a follower of Jesus, many, many times that has simply not been the case. Now, I believe that there are times when God does direct, especially if there's been abuse, that there are many times if there has been infidelity, Jesus even speaks to that. But there have been far too many times, and it's happening more and more often, when a young Christian couple, and I, I remember a, a couple too well, and it, it was breaking my heart, and they said to me, you know what, we've, just, we've come to the understanding that we're just not compatible anymore, and we believe it's God's will for us to break up. And my response to them is, I just have to disagree with you. Because that's not the right reason. And it's hard work, isn't it? Relationships and friendships are hard work. I venture that eight or nine times out of ten, it's the person with less interest in faith who will pull on the person who has faith. And that's why God's word tells us, don't be yoked with unbelievers. And it's not because we want to kick them. It's not because we're, we're talking down to them. It's because to follow the Lord, we want to be equally yoked. And the cool stream, I believe, is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit flowing through us with life and refreshing. Good friends, are like a cool stream. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Please hear that. But an enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, if somebody just comes and, and patronizes you with compliments, sometimes you can see it coming from a mile away. That's not a true friend. A true friend is somebody who is willing to speak hard truth in love. Friends are like a good medical image, you know? 
Friends are like a good x-ray or a, an ultrasound or a CT scan or an, or, or an MRI that points out what needs to change. And then like a gallbladder, if you've got something that needs to be removed, let it be said and get it out. <laughs> My problem is they did all those images and they said everything's normal. I said, but I'm not normal. You don't know me well enough. Just ask anybody who knows me. I'm not normal. Do you have friends who are honest and yet candid with you? Honest yet candid. Who are honest and yet kind. Who are candid and kind. And who have perhaps given you permission to be honest and kind with them. We need people like that in our lives. A good friend is not somebody who covers over another person's indiscretions. Too many times, even in ministry, where, where there are people who believe that really close friends and good friends are people who will look out for each other, meaning that they will even cover for us if we do something wrong and they will help us to lie. Just, you know, don't let anybody know that I did that. Let's cover it over. That's what friendship is. And I would say that is from the pit. That's not what true friendship is. That's just like taking pain relievers. Because eventually we'll get hooked on it. Eventually, like oxycodone, like oxycontin, we will get so accustomed to being deceptive. We will get so accustomed to not being transparent that we will become addicted to it and we will, the time will come when we'll have trouble sorting out truth from lies because we've told so many. We need friends who encourage and exhort and it's an honor to be allowed and given permission to do that in other people's lives. Last point. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friends or one's friends springs from earnest counsel. Friends are like air fresheners. <laughs> Not too much perfume, but to give refreshing to what would otherwise be the same old, same old, like a nice Glade plug-in in the office. Friends just bring refreshment in our lives. May we be that way to the people that we influence. May we help the people that we influence to be guided into those kinds of friendships. As I said the other week, the author Chap Clark has written that if we help our children to have multiple influencers in their lives of people who are followers of Jesus, then as they grow older, there is so much of a better likelihood that they will remain rooted and grounded in their faith because they're not trying to do it alone and they have fewer, they have more people that they have to try to run away from. We never know what sorts of challenges we're going to face in our families. Let me invite the musicians up just as I tell you this story. When I was pastor of youth and young adults at, at another church years ago, we were faced with a challenging situation in which the daughter of one of the board members became pregnant and her boyfriend was actually the son of a pastor of another church in town. 
so that was rather awkward. It was challenging. It was hard. It was difficult. For parents, may we ever be in an attitude of prayer and willingness to talk with our children about difficult subjects and ask God for help, what to say, how to say it. Look to God's direction for his word, for what is right and for restoration where it's needed. What made matters worse in this particular situation was that the lead pastor of the church met with the young woman, unknown to me. I mean, I was her pastor. I was tracking with her and and this situation. And he met with her privately. And he f- forbid her from seeing the young man again. I, I don't know how you do that. I, I didn't know we had that kind of power. But we had a meeting of elders. And this it was revealed. He said, I just want you people to know that I met with this woman. And I told her she's not allowed to meet with this, man, with this young man again. And I was dumbstruck. And we talked about what about grace and restoration? What about and, and, and who has the authority to do that anyway? What what after all? What if they actually love each other? It's not ever to excuse or condone the fact that we believe in purity until marriage. Not to mention the rights of a father to see his child. I mean, you just can't do that. How awkward would that be for Pastor James if I did that? So, Pastor James, just by the way, I just want to tell you that I told somebody they're not allowed to see so-and-so anymore. It ended up for being a very, very tragic relational situation in the church. But here's the beauty of it. No matter what our situations that we face as families, I believe that when we fully commit them to the Lord, He will bring something new and something beautiful from something that was old and something that was ugly. They are a wonderful, now, years later, wonderful married couple with three children. And she never had a problem admitting that, yes, I I made a mistake. I sinned. Only this was one that couldn't be hidden like some others can be, like gossiping and so on, that can be hidden, that we can get away with. And I just praise the Lord that she wasn't driven away from the church because of that kind of insensitivity and a lack of restoration. And so friends, I just want to encourage you. I tell this story because we don't know what we'll face in life with our family members and our friends. We need to be and to have good and godly and gracious friends for both the good and the bad. We need to be that. We need to have that. May we be on our knees in prayer and on our feet in conduct to be those kinds of friends like we've heard from Scripture today, to model and to teach that kind of friendship, to be that stream of water, to be that air freshener, to be that x-ray in the life of those that we love, to help those that we're privileged to influence. As we sing, as we conclude today, let me encourage you and myself, what friendship family friendships could we bring to the Lord today? Is there something that you need to bring to God about a friendship? Maybe you've been bringing it many times and you say, Lord, I still don't know the answer for it. Maybe there's a friend that that you care about who doesn't know Jesus yet. Maybe there's a friend that you don't know yet that God wants to bring across your path to befriend. 
whether a believer or not a believer yet because he wants you to be invested like Jesus invested in you. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, that you are a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That you are a friend of the friendless and the needy and the sinner. That you are not a friend of the self-righteous who believes that he or she doesn't need you. But, oh, God, I thank you for the experience of your friendship in our lives. In my life, and how faithful you are and you have been and you always will be. And so we surrender to you whatever we may be hurting about with friendship. We surrender to you whatever opportunities that you may have for friendship. And oh Lord, I thank you that friendship is such a beautiful opportunity to be a mirror of Jesus and to see Jesus in others. So we worship you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.